This is Welcome to Moving People into Leadership. And uh, my name is Gary Fowler, and I'll be the presenter today. I am on staff at One Church in Gahanna. And I want to say this just, in, and I mean this sincerely, I do like to joke around and have a lot of fun. You could have been anywhere, and you chose to be here. And this is like the best attended event that this thing has ever seen. So thank you so much for, for taking some time. And I think that just goes to show there is a hunger for this, and there is a need for this. And it's how do we get people into leadership? And one of the, one of the you know, there's really the three big problems of every church, right? We don't have enough money, we don't have enough people, and we don't have the, you know, the right facility or something like that. A lot of it boils down to that. So today we're going to practically uh, deal with how to move people into leadership. And what I did here, you can just walk up and take a picture of this if you want it. If this is any value to you, this is my email address. This is my personal cell phone number. These are uh, websites of the resources that you have in your hand. So my goal is that by the end of this, I don't want to come in here and just tell you a lot of stuff in theory that you should do. My goal is that you leave here and you will be able to go back to your church and do exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about here. And please don't think that any of this is original. I did not come up with the name of Leader Lab, which is what we're going to be talking about. I didn't, I'm sure there's been Leader Labs out there, and I'm sure there's different ways to do it. This is just a way. And uh, I got another friend over here, Zach. Zach, if you could just kind of raise your hand. Zach is, uh, is a testimony of leadership development. Zach is actually interviewing for a position at one church right now. And four years ago, he didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. So if we get to this part, and, and I'd love for him to, to share as well, before we had any systems, any process, anything like that, he's where he is because of relationship. And that's where this whole thing has to start. So I'm going to give you a way. And I hate it when I go to conferences and the person up there talking, I just cannot relate to them. You're at a church this, you have these resources. I, I get it. And I am not that guy. In fact, I'm not even kidding when I say this. We were sitting around talking how bad we do at, at, at assimilating leaders. And I, no joke, I'm in that meeting talking about it with our lead pastor, Greg Ford, and another guy that's on our executive leadership team. And my phone rings, and it's Sarah House. Let it go to voicemail. I listen to the voicemail, and it says, hey, we were just talking about a, a synergy track of assimilation, and can you show up and talk about how you guys assimilate leaders? I put it on speakerphone and played it, and we all just had this big laugh. And I, I called her back. I said, Sarah, we don't do this well. And she says, well, there's a lot of people talking about just something they saw on social media. So I know that last session was about social media. I'm telling you, even, even up here, some of the conversations I'm having are, hey, we saw on social media. So if you're not leveraging social media, that's a different class, and you missed it, I think. But there really is a value to that. And she said, you guys did something called Leader Lab a few times. I'm like, oh, gosh, yeah, I can show up and talk about that. So this whole thing is around Leader Lab. We do have an assimilation process that you come into a building, you go to, you know, you turn in a card, you go to the next steps, and then we have a really robust follow-up system for that to get them into growth track, to get them into groups, to get them into. I'm not talking about any of that. If you want any of that, I'm happy to share what we have, but that's not what I'm talking about today. Today, I want to show you rather than just tell you how to do something. So this is the last session of the day. I know we're going into a general session, so I'm just guessing your minds are overloaded. You probably need your second cup of coffee by now if you're only on to, hey, amen to that. Yep, everybody's holding them up. Cheers. And I get it. So I don't want you to have to think at all. So what I'm going to present is like a miniature, a microcosm of Leader Lab. I'm not going to spend as much time on everything, but I'll hit everything to such a degree that you can go back if you're at a church of five or 500 or 5,000. It doesn't matter. What I'm going to give you, it works if you run the play. If you don't want to run the play, I'm happy to come in and help you run the play or even run the play for you with you, with you available. So again, my goal is that you will come in here and have all the tools that when you leave, you can go execute this thing. And I want to make a very practical, uh, maybe just an assumption. I'm not going to talk a lot of, I'm not going to throw a lot of Bible verses in here. We understand that leadership development in its truest form is discipleship. Can we all just, just put that out there right now that I don't have to keep tying it back to Scripture? 
Leadership development is one of the most spiritual things that you can do because it really is helping the, uh, the mission of the church advance. Without leaders, we're probably just not going to do it. So no matter what size church you're at, you can do this. So this is about as spiritual as I'm going to get, and I'm going to open this up with prayer. And then I'm just going straight up practical with you. And then I may end with prayer if we have time. So, Father, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, that, God, you are doing something amazing. And not just in, in the Assemblies of God, Lord, but in the church, capital C, that it's, it's the bride of Christ. And, Father, it's such a beautiful thing. It's the hope of the world. And, Lord, thank you for the call that you've, you've, you've asked us to partner with you to advance the gospel. And Lord, that's what it's about. Everything we do, it's either all about Jesus or it's not. So Lord, I just surrender this to you right now, that this whole session, it's all about helping people come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's either all about Jesus or it's not. So Lord, we lift this up to you. We surrender it to you. We surrender our will. We surrender any authority. We surrender our rights. We surrender our control to you right now, Lord. And Holy Spirit, just do what only you can do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start with, if we were doing a leader lab right now, I'd probably have, however you have it set up, we use tables and round, and we like conversations, we like whiteboards. Those are logistics. That doesn't matter right now. But what I would probably start out with is you look at all these spaces and are kind of wondering, what do you do? There's an icebreaker, and uh, again, if you've seen me do anything, you've, you've probably seen me do this, that I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to clap and freeze it. So I'm going to say one, two, three, and you just hold your hands mid-clap and just look at your thumbs. That's what we're going to pay attention to. So I'm going to say one, two, three, you're going to clap, and you're going to hold it, and then I'm going to tell you your personality based on where your thumbs are, okay? So this is just a dumb icebreaker. I know. Bear with me. Trust me, it works. I'm telling you, it's like the cheesy joke from the stage that your dad always tells, and somehow it still gets a laugh. So I'm going to ask you on the count of three, you're just going to go one, two, three, clap, hold them. Did anybody not do it? All right. I, see, that's just bad communication right there. All right, everybody do this. One, two, three, clap, hold them. All right, look at your thumbs. If your right thumb is over your left thumb, hold them up. All right, look around the room. Those are the best-looking people in the room. Come on. All right. If your left thumb is over your right thumb, hold them up. Look around the room. Those are the smartest people in the room. Oh, yeah. Now, there's another category of you. Your thumbs are side by side, aren't they? All right, hold those up. Those are the people who think they're the best, smartest, best looking, smartest people in the room. Okay, cheesy, but it breaks the ice. Now you can look around the room and say, oh, you think you're smart and pretty, or you think you're this. Again, steal it and forget where you got it. That's the definition of creativity. So please don't give me credit for that. I don't want it. It's all yours. So this is another thing that I, that I do, and, and I'm not going to spend hardly any time on this. This website right here, learning-mind.com, will bring you to an explanation of all of these. And this is so much fun, and it can go as deep as you let it go. What I do is I say, hey, I want you to self-identify as one of these shapes. And then based on one of these shapes, has anybody been in the room when I've done this before? Jason, yeah, Joe, and Ashley, okay. And, and uh, yeah, Jacob, I know that you, this can go as far and wide as you want, but there is some real psychology behind this. That if you identify as a triangle, then that shows this potential. This describes you as whatever. You go to this website, just draw these shapes on the board, ask them to self-identify, and this helps me build teams. It really does. So if I need somebody pretty detailed, then I'm going to go to somebody that's self-identified as a square because they're very detailed. They like rigid edges. They like their boundaries. If I need, it, if I need a creative type, what do you think I'm going to go to? Okay, so the squiggly are typically the ones that are just like real creative, and they're just energy, and they're the ones that are going to be out there with all the ideas. They're not going to execute any of them, but they got a lot of ideas. Okay? So all of this, this person right here is, is typically the one, the circle, I want them as like the greeters. Because they are going to be all-inclusive. Oh, there's somebody talking about themselves. I'm going to go bring them in. So this is a great, fun way. And then if you're doing it, you can make, put, your, put the shape on your name tag. We've had them do that. So I walk up to Leslie and I say, which, which one did you self-identify with? Okay, so I would go to Leslie and I would say, I know that you're a nurturer. I know that you talk to people. I know that you're probably better with a small group than a big group. Is any of this true? Okay. I didn't just make this up. There's a lot of science behind it, and I've done this enough to know that if you identify with something, those are qualities and characteristics about you. The second thing 
and I feel like I am turboing because I want to get to the meat of this. There's a website called PattersonCenter.com. There's only one P in this Patterson, so P-A-T-E-R-S-O-N, Center.com. Something on there called Four Helpful Lists. You can do this with everything. I can do this for my marriage. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What is missing? And what's confusing? If I gave you a piece of paper right now and said, do this for Synergy, what did synergy, what is this event doing right? What is it doing wrong? What's missing and what's confusing? Give you all a piece of paper, ask you to write at least seven things in every category. Because the first three are always going to be easy. Seven makes you think. If you want to go crazy, make them put ten. That's just going to get into their deeper thoughts. Then I compile all this. I've just, I did this with Pastor Kevin Crow at uh, a Harvest Ridge. Their whole team did something similar to this. I said, what's right, what's wrong, what's missing, com confusing, compiled all that. Now Pastor Kevin has just what everybody is thinking. You want to know why people aren't inviting somebody to church? It's because of what they're saying is wrong and missing or confusing. You want to know why they are inviting? It's the things that we need to amp up under the right categories. So what, what I'll do is just come in and say, okay, what are the areas that you need to focus? Do we need to plug a hole or do we want to accelerate what's going great and let people not focus on the other things? So these are all just tools. These work, I'm telling you, and they're great tools. Now, what you have in your hands, and this is going to take a little bit of explaining, you're going to answer the six questions that are on this page. And you can download this at PattersonCenter.com as well. I'm going to ask you the questions. You're going to put a number. You can include the numbers 1 and 10, so numbers 1 through 10. I'm going to ask you, what's your relationship to risk? I'm going to give you what that means, and then you're going to put a number there. You're going to add all those up, and you're going to divide by 6. And then you're going to give me back this number. I think the Stratop did this for, for Tanzania and Ohio for Jesus, right? Okay, so if you already know your number, that's fine. Maybe do it again anyway, just to kind of see if you land in the same spot. So we're actually going to do this, and then I'm going to tell you how this actually can help you build great teams in a church. So if you do all these things, man, you are so much further ahead. So you want to talk about assimilating people, help them identify who they are, and then you can find a role for them. So what is your relationship to risk? If you're a one, you say, I don't like risk, and my immediate reaction is to resist. If you're a 10, you embrace risk, and you, your attitude towards it is just, let's go. You're not afraid of that at all. So where do you fall one through 10? Just write that number down. Don't overthink it. Don't look at your neighbors thinking that, you got, that you've got the wrong answer. If theirs is different, just write your number down and move on. What is your relationship to change? One says, I do not like change. Ten says, I thrive on it. And I'll create it if it's not happening on its own. So one through ten, where I heard a yep back there. I'll bet he's a squiggly too, over here on the shapes <laughs> thing. <laughs> Normally the squigglies love change. They're fine with change. So thrive on change, one through ten. All right, listen to what a variable is before you answer this question. How many variables can you have in your mind at one time? A variable is not about multitasking. A variable is an idea or project in some stage of development. Okay? So how many of those can you have in your mind at one time without just like overly stressing about it? One through ten. What's the number? So you should have three numbers right now. So number four would be how do you think logically? If I'm a one, I walk step by step through the process pausing often to ensure understanding. If I'm a 10, I can take quantum leaps in thought. The gaps will be filled in later, or maybe they won't. You don't even care. One through 10, where are you at? How do you think logically? All right, next one. What is your relationship to ambiguity, unclarity, uncertainty? One is, I don't like ambiguity. I prefer concrete information before moving forward. A 10 says, I can live at, with a lot of ambiguity without stress or anxiety, and I assume ambiguity will eventually play itself out. 1 through 10, where are you at? And again, there's no right or wrong answer. Don't write what you think somebody else thinks you are. Last question, what is your relationship to opportunity? 1, I see problems and tasks associated with any expressed opportunity. If I'm a 10... I see opportunity everywhere, and yesterday's opportunities are history. I'm going to create some more today. All right, so 1 through 10, where are you at on that? 1 through 10 with opportunity. Add those numbers up, divide by 6. You can pull your calculators out. 
and you can write the, you can write it to the decimal. The people that are squares, you're going to write the to the third decimal, and that's okay. The, the people that are probably the the squigglies, you're just going to write you're going to round up or round down, and it doesn't matter. But I would ask you to just go ahead and put the number in there, and then I'm going to unpack this a little bit and explain what it is. Okay, has everybody got their number? What they do with this, and this is something that, uh, you know, if you're facilitating this, you would just draw this. This would be a 1. This would be a 10. This is kind of your 5, so 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9. Whoops, did I do too many? 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay. So this is a 5. This is a 1. This is a 10. If, does everybody have their scores? Okay. If you're under 3, Raise your hand. Real high, because I do want to get a number for this. Just one of you? Okay, so we've got one person, two? Okay, so we've got two people between one and three. Okay? So that's here. So how many of you are under the number five? One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve-ish. Okay, thirteen, kind of under five. How many of you are under seven? So set between five and seven. So okay, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. How many of you are over seven? <laughs> wow. All right, how many of you are over eight? How many of you are over nine? Really? One, two of you are over nine? Oh my word. You know what this is called? <laughs> I won't tell you. Anyway, all right, how many, how many of you were uh, over between 7 and 9? It's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. So, okay. All right, if I was just looking at this, this is a dashboard. If I were to unpack this, I would look at this and I would say we got a lot of people who come up with a lot of ideas, and we have an equal amount of people who are able to translate those ideas, and we have a couple people that would actually execute them. Does this feel like church? Because there's a whole lot of people that walk in with a whole lot of great ideas. You should, and we should, and what if, and because here's what happens. This, this is exactly what this is right here, this midline. These people between four, five, and six, these are kind of like, they're, they're, they're almost like an interpreter of the people with the vision. <laughs> and these are the people that just say, these are the people that say what? What can we do now? What can we do next? These are the people that say, are you crazy? How are we going to do that? We didn't even do the last idea that you had. We, we, how, how are we going to do that when we didn't even follow up with this? You just went out there and said it, and we didn't even have a plan in place to implement it. Do you know people like that? They're called pastors. <laughs> because if you're not in this range, you want your pastors to, to kind of be in that seven range. You want them to be the ones out there dreaming. They don't have to come up with all the original thoughts, but they have to be able to grab some thoughts, make it their own. But if you don't have one of these people, this is, I'm telling you, this is like the interpreter. They can hear the vision, and this is how I call it, and, and forgive me for this language. <laughs> they take the chaos, they break it down into clarity, and then what do they need? What do these people need? They need a checklist. Just give me the checklist. So these people create <laughs> chaos. These people break it down into some clarity. These people bring it into checklists. This is about 86% of the people right here. 86% of the people really do need more than they think they need. I need crystal clarity. I do, you know, if you're into the disk assessment at all, these people, their greatest fear is criticism a lot of times. These are kind of the S's and the C's are over here. They need clarity because their biggest fear is being criticized. So if I don't have all the information, I'm just not going to move. You know what these people do? You, you put them in a role. You put these people in one of these roles, you know what they do? They get frustrated and leave, and they don't even tell you. They're just in the wrong spot. You can move. So if you're, if you're a perfect five, there's, a, there's the bell curve. that You can operate in the four world. You can operate in the six world. You can do this, but not for a long time. You're going to burn out. 
This is not about leadership, trust me. This is not leadership development. This is just the natural way that you think. That's all this is. There's a girl on staff at one church. She's a self-professed 1.8. It's Christy Poole. She's our worship director. She's fantastic. She's churning out leaders better than probably just about anybody. You know why? Because she has a checklist. She's formulated it. She's built systems. She's built structures. Greg, who is probably an eight, he comes into the room and says, what if? And then she just draws the org chart based on the what if and plugs everybody into it. This is not about leadership. This is about how you think. So the best teams, the best churches probably are going to have a pastor that's going to be a seven-ish, a six. That's okay. But you need to have somebody that's going to think what's next. Because if you're not thinking what's next, if you have a whole team, and I've, I've worked with these teams, everybody's over here, you know what happens? Nothing. Nothing. There's more ideas than you know what to do with. But what if we're all down here? Everything is uber organized and structured, but there are no new people coming in. There are no new ideas. We're just dying. This is, uh, and this is just my wheelhouse right here. This is kind of how I've made a living. I just find these people who have visions that don't know how to implement it, I try to break it down and translate it to these people because I can talk details and I can talk vision. This doesn't mean I have a greater skill set. It just means that I've know, I know myself enough to say, okay, I can sit with that person. I can sit with a Greg and then talk to Christy. I can do that. But if you ask me to live down here, I'm probably going to leave because that's not, my, that's not my wheelhouse. How Do you think this will help you build teams? It has to because if I, if I am this... And, and Zach right now is interviewing for a position on our team. He is seven-ish. Are you right around the seven? So as he's coming in, as he's onboarding, what does Zach need to be successful? He needs somebody that knows how to speak this language and somebody who can implement the details. Now, if he doesn't succeed, it's because we failed him. We know it. So if I just say, hey, dude, I just need you to take a deep dive into details, he's going to do it for about six months. And then he's probably going to be like, you know what, this just ain't, I, I don't feel called to this anymore. We try to spiritualize it. It's, this is how God made us. He created us this way. It takes all kinds of people. So if in an ideal world, and this is just something somebody told me, so if you have a seven as a lead pastor, you need somebody who can interpret that, and then your best ministry leaders are kind of just let it find a bunch of threes. And then you probably have to have at least somebody who's on board as a one that just loves picking up all the details. This would be like an ideal org chart because you know what these people do? They show up every week and run the play. Every week, every week. If you look at your papers here, it's a breakdown. And you can, you can look at the score and then you can interpret, am I a grinder? I mean, what is that language? It's grinding. My nose is to the grind. I'm just going to do A, B, and C, A, B, and C, A, B, and C, A, B, and C. Don't tell me to do B, C, and A. I'm going to do A, B, and C. A, B, C, A, B, C. My wife is in this language. How many, any, anybody in this room married to somebody else in this room? Okay. Are you on the same side or are you on the opposite side, Claudia? Where are, you, are you guys on the, you're opposites, aren't you? What about you guys? Opposites, you guys? Opposite, yeah. What are, what are you? Okay, so yeah, you, you can interpret what he's saying and you can probably execute the play probably a little bit better than he can. He can share the vision. This is pretty typical, pretty common. This is a little bit of the opposites attract, right? He's got all the dreams, and she's like, ain't nothing going to get done if I don't do it, if I don't at least tell how to get these things done. See? I, I actually worked with, with Claudio uh, on this, and I think you're a seven, right? Ish, somewhere up in here. And then your executive pastor is a seven. Okay, that can work. But we know that he needs at least somebody that's able to interpret his thing because the other executive pastor ain't interpreting anything. They're just fueling a whole bunch of ideas back and forth. I got an idea. I got a better one. I got a bigger one. I got another one. I got one that costs more. I oh, gosh. If we don't bring in somebody that can interpret it and then somebody to do the details, then nothing is going to get done. Again, careful. This is not about leadership. This is just the way you think. So go through if you are, and here's the other thing, too. If you're natural six, you can kind of do this interpretation once you cross this middle line, you're speaking a different language. So I can be a six, and if you even put me in the four, it's a different, it's a different skill set. So anytime I cross this center line, now I'm speaking a different language. And I can do it, but it's going to take more out of me than it's probably going to be a benefit you for me to be there long. 
Uh, Zach and I were just talking, one of the things that we have to tackle if, if he does take the job or if he's offered the job is we've got to go into a deep dive into kids' ministry. We need these people. But guess what? We're going to go and send out the vision and say, we want this to feel like Disneyland. We want, what do we got to do to get there? And all these people are going to say, we got to do this policy and this policy and this policy and this. Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. Can you do that by this day? Yeah. We just got to know it. So this is what we do at Leader Lab. In fact, were you at the Leader Lab where we had everybody line up across the whole gym? We had this center line right here, and I said, all right, just line up. This is a five. That's a one. That's a ten. And we had everybody line up based on where they were. And it was like, this is a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. Now, you, and I'd point to somebody, you are very frustrated by that person, right? Oh, yeah. Why? Because you're talking what? What, 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 what? And they're just sitting there thinking, mm-hmm. how? How are we going to do that? We don't have the money for that. Once we identify this and unearth it, you can move so far so fast because you understand how somebody thinks. You can do this in any environment. You, I, I honestly, I'm not even kidding. I've done that shapes exercise with my kids at dinner. They love this stuff. I ask them these questions, and, they're, and it really does help me identify how they think. Because my 11-year-old my thinks way different than my 13-year-old. So I know this one needs more details. This one I'm just going to dream. You know how I talk to Greg Ford? Hey, dude, what if? Oh, man. But you know how he has to talk to me? Dude, here's some problems I see. Oh, I'll fix those. I can, I can dream with you, but I'd rather. This is a little bit of dreaming. This is a little bit of problem solving. There's a couple really good books out there that have been uh, some bestsellers. E-Myth is one of those. I think there's another version of it out called E-Myth Revisited. And the language they use is entrepreneur and manager. Okay? They don't go into this third step. There's another book uh, called Rocket Fuel. I'm sorry, E-Myth does. Entrepreneur, um, manager, and then technician. So this would be a person that bakes the pies. This would be the person that runs the store. This would be the person that kind of franchises the store. So this E-Myth is a really good book to support this. And then there's another one called Rocket Fuel. And that they talk about visionary and integrator. And the reason it's Rocket Fuel is because this person knows how to talk to this person. This person knows how to interpret it to the rest of the team. So if you have everybody on one side of this thing, you can just, it's, it's, it's a dashboard. I can walk into your church, do this, and tell you where your, a lot of your frustration is. Again, just initially and then we can work on either developing some other people, putting people in different seats and all that kind of stuff. Anybody have any questions, comments, feedback? Does any this surprise anybody? You, you kind of just, it, it gives language to it. Somebody was like, oh, now I know why this person just drives me crazy. Now I know why, and whether it's too many details or too much, too much dreaming, you just got to know who you're talking to and then how to talk to them. And again, this is not about leadership development. This has nothing to do with leadership development. The greatest way you leverage this is to develop leaders by knowing who they are and telling them, hey, this is kind of the way you think. So in my opinion, you need some checklists broke down. Now, if you want to go another step, I do the DISC certification. I do the DISC assessment as well. That's a whole other level. And that is so good for teams to figure out how to talk to somebody else. That's really good. So the goal of this is uh, to move people into leadership you, you kind of got to know who they are. You got to know how they think and uh, how they operate and how they can best be communicated with. So we actually just, uh, you know, re we just redid our handbook and we all came up with the same language. We do leadership pipeline and all that kind of stuff, but just servant leader and then it goes to a service leader and then it's a, a team leader and then a point leader and then a squad leader, I think is some new language that we're introducing. And we want everybody to go through this so we understand that, and that way, if I'm, more, if I'm a squad leader in kids, and then I go over to youth, I know what the responsibility of a squad leader is. If I go into assimilation or wherever it is, a squad leader's role is a squad leader's role, regardless of where they serve. So one of the things about leadership development is, and I think uh, Calla just did a worship session, and, and one of the hardest things about leadership development is having places to plug them into. So this is one of those things that is like, if you don't have a clear organizational chart, it's going to be more challenging for you. Because you're going to say, hey, you're a this. What if you did? And you're going to make up a role. And then these people are going to say, sure, I'll show up at 930 in the morning with a, with a pad and paper. What do you want me to do? 
um, and then you're going to make it up and they're going to leave because you're, you're just not going to value their time if you don't have a role, a clear role, clear wins and all that kind of stuff. Now, if they're this person, you say, you know what, just show up and, and like tell me what you think you should be doing. They'll dream it up, but then they're probably just not going to do it. So if you don't have something to plug them into or assimilate roles for them, then it's probably just going to be frustration as well. And again, there is an assumption that I made is to develop leaders, you have to be developing yourself. So if you're not developing on your own, you're probably not going to do leadership development regardless. And again, please don't misinterpret this as, well, I think this way, therefore I can't. Yes, you can. And these people probably do it just as good as anybody. Because really, there's only three parts to vision. Can I cast a clear and compelling vision? Can I recruit people to the vision? And can I rally the people to execute the vision? Don't make it more complicated than that. These people rally people to it like nobody's business. But they cannot execute it by themselves. You get Conan and Greg and a lot of these other people together that they just dream. It's fun. But probably not going to last. Not a lot's going to happen. Everybody's going to show up to follow them. And then nobody knows where they're going. These people are going to sit around and, and just do a whole bunch of dreaming, and these people are going to sit around and do a whole bunch of, yes, that's how we're going to do it, that's how we're going to do it, and then get mad at everybody else when they come up with more ideas. So knowing who you are and how you can do things, again, helping people plug in uh, to the, the way that they think is the best way, in my opinion, to develop leaders. But if you don't have a personal growth plan on your own, I don't know how you're going to do it. How can you take somebody somewhere that you're not doing it on your own? So let me just ask you this a little bit of, and this is one of those just asking you, how many lead pastors do we have in this room right now? Okay. How many strong leaders, and I'll just ask you this, Dan, and I'm going to ask you for how many strong leaders do you really feel like you have in your church? So think about that number. If I said how many strong leaders carrying weight do you have in your church, what would you say? As he's thinking, does anybody, any other lead pastor have an idea? How many, how many? Who else, who else is the lead pastor? Joe, how many do you think you have? You think you have about 10 strong leaders carrying weight in your church. How many do you think you got? You think you got about 12? Okay. That's surprising. Because if, if, if I just went with statistics and you told me you had 10 solid leaders, I would think that you're running a church of about 120. Where are you at, Joe? You're running about 12 leaders. Are you running in, okay, 300. So, man, there are some people doing a lot of work. Yeah, so I would have guessed. Yes. Yeah, and that's a broad question. It's a it's a it's a tough way, and, and a, just asking on the spot. Okay. Yeah. So statistically, you probably have about a one to ten ratio. So if you've got a hundred people in your church, you probably got about ten people that are really carrying a lot of the weight. Even in youth ministry, this works. It, I mean, how many are you running in youth, and then how many people do you feel like you have plugged into youth? You want to grow your church? Grow your leaders. I had an opportunity to sit down with Sam Chan, and he says, don't make it more difficult than it is. You want to grow your church by 100 people? Develop 10 leaders. Oh. <laughs> I mean, this guy's been around. He kind of knows what he's talking about a little bit. Uh, in, the Conan, in the session that Conan just did, you know, the average A person can lead a church of about 115 to 120 by themselves. But then if you want to keep growing beyond that, you need a leader. You need a leader. You need a leader. You release the leader. Release the leader. So those are just some of the things. And it, it works. So if you want to grow by 50 people, develop five good leaders, solid leaders. Get them in a growth plan. Get them into a, a leader lab. Identify it work, it. work with them to develop. So now I just want to give you a couple uh, the logistical pieces of it, the intentionality of the name. Again, we did not come up with the name leader lab, but we liked it. Because I wanted people that were going to self-identify as leaders. I didn't want to just say, hey, we're just going to have this meeting. Anybody show up that just wants to show up? If you think you have any leadership ability at all, I want you in the room. So leader was a very intentional word that we used. Lab was another one. You can call it leadership pipeline. You can call it leadership breakfast, whatever. We just like the word lab because Greg thinks it's, just, it's an experiment. Let's just try it. What do you do in a lab? You just try things. And guess what? If this isn't working, we're going to call an audible mid-meeting, and we're just going to try something else. So it gave us a little bit of flexibility and freedom to just say, eh, let's run this play until we just don't feel like running this play anymore. So leader lab, again, very intentional language. If you identify as a leader, we want you. And lab, because it's all an experiment. We've now done this twice. We've had very good turnout for both, which does speak to there is a desire for leadership development. 
and both times, you know, the goal, this was like kind of our stated goal, is, is we just wanted to, we wanted to fish from a pond of leaders. Every department needs more people than they have. Guess what? I'm going to give you a bunch of warm leads. Everybody shows up to this, they are all willing to, to play. You tell them how they think, you invite them into a very clear role to execute how they think, and man, you're going you're gonna to crush this thing. So Leader Lab, uh, in, in kind of some language we put around it, we just said, we want our greatest minds on our biggest opportunities. So if I'm sitting across from you and I say, Travis, man, I would love for you to come to Leader Lab, dude. I see that you've got this great potential. I would love to develop you. And you know what? I just, we just want our greatest minds on our biggest opportunities. Now he probably feels like, oh, heck yeah, I'll show up to that. I don't even know what you're talking about, but I'll show up <laughs> something like that. So pouring into these people, encouraging them, um, we wanted to recruit people that can grow with us and help us grow. We wanted the, the stated win was uh, leadership development culture. We wanted that language to be in everything that we did. That we are develop we are leaders developing leaders. That's the language we use. We are leaders developing leaders. We don't want to just develop followers. We don't want to just develop people that can do tasks. We want leaders developing leaders who are developing leaders. Identify and again that through that right wrong myth and confusing, these are some sharp people. They are seeing things you're not seeing. So asking them, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What are we doing? What's missing and what's confusing? That is pure gold. If nothing else out of Leader Lab, just to get that information from their heads, and it's, it's kind of somewhat anonymous unless you watch them write it and remember it, and there's a freedom to that. They're going to tell you everything that they never had the opportunity to tell you. And then you embrace that and you say, hey, based on the information that all of you gave us, here are the top three things that we feel like is going to help us go into Easter stronger this year than we did last year. Would you guys help? Hey, I need some people on ideas. Where's my sevens at? Hey, I need some people to interpret that. Where's my fives at? Where's my threes? And then I'm going to make that a team. Say, here's, here's something you guys are tackling. So I'm going to take a five, a seven, and somebody that's in that one, two, three, four range. And I'm going to build the team accordingly. Uh, the boards are very insightful. They can be encouraging and discouraging. Uh, every, every pastor I work with, they love what they're doing right. And the hard part is they're probably not surprised by what's being wrong and missing and confusing. They just don't like to see it. But when it's your sharpest people telling you, now it just feels a little deflating, like, oh, what am I going to do? Well, that's, I, I believe every, every person needs a coach if you want to get better. Every athlete needs a coach. Every person needs a coach. I believe every pastor needs a coach. You need somebody that you can confide in. You need somebody that's going to hold you accountable. You need somebody that's going to help you do what you say is important to you. So here's the overview. The potential, gosh, this was such a huge lift. I mean, it was an all-staff, and all-play, but it doesn't have to be. You can just invite 10 people, and you show up and do everything I just did. It's just that easy. We did it on three Monday nights. We did an invite only. We provided childcare, and we gave some snacks. That's all we did, water and some snacks. Nobody showed up wanting anything. Nobody showed up being all drama and diva, saying, I don't like that kind of water. No, they're ready to get busy. The format, the groups come up with a problem, so we did it two different ways. We said, all right, kids, youth, music, you know, uh, any, any departments, you guys sit together, and you guys, based on right, wrong, missing, confusing, figure out the biggest problem you need to solve and get working on it. We did that once, and that was, I'd say it had some success. There's definitely things we'd do different. The next night, we did every, we had everybody do this before they got there, and then we broke them up. We said there's a seven, there's a five, there's a three, at least, and then we just filled in the table. Mixed, because collaboration is a big thing that we want to do. I want somebody from the worship team speaking into the assimilation process, because they see it differently than I do. So we totally mixed up every table, and we had different numbers represented at every table, and then we told them, hey, work on this problem. And that was pretty cool. So again, there's not a right or wrong way to do it. I mean, we can, we can share with you what we would do different if, it, if we had to do it again or when we do it again. The agenda was simply this. Greg always came in with a leadership lesson, probably about 10 minutes just to kind of get the night going. We did some sort of icebreaker, set the agenda for the evening, and then we just said, go. I'm now walking around the room, and I'm looking at who's leading the discussion. Sorry about that. I'm looking at who's leading the discussion because that person has probably got some leadership potential. I'm looking at who is writing on the board. I'm looking at who's not talking. I'm looking at, I'm just, now I'm just watching and I'm walking around to all the groups and I'm just seeing who's doing what. That's just who's grabbing the marker, who's giving the marker, who's complaining about it, who's speaking life into it, and I'm just watching. That's all I did one night. 
I looked to see who's presenting, and then we bring everybody back and say, okay, you guys were at that table. What problem did you work on? What are your action steps next? And he'd say, we worked on the assimilation process, and we changed the language from the stage to get more connect cards, or whatever you call your greeting cards if you even do those. Great, what'd you come up with? We're gonna do this, this, and this. When are you gonna do it by? This day, boom. Now, now there's accountability in the room too. Who's doing what by when? If you just implement that language, that's gonna be a game changer. Who's taking the ownership of this thing? What are you, who's doing what? What are you gonna get done? And then when are you gonna have it done by? So where we win, where we lose, you know, the, the value of this thing, collaboration, team, getting energy in the room was fantastic. And every time you get people like that together, it's an opportunity to share vision which is you never, never swing and miss on that. Always bring the vision to the team. And then you have a lot of people willing to carry into it. If they're gonna speak into the problems, they're probably gonna be willing to help you solve those problems and carry some weight from them. If we could do it again, we'd probably have better follow-up communication. That's an area that we found out that we're really weak. But again, we have a lot of ideas and we set off on a journey on a lot of these ideas and then sometimes we change the idea and we just set off on a new idea. And these people were like, well, what about the old idea? And we didn't communicate anything. So we're finding that we're pretty weak in that area. So we either fix it or we don't. And we keep frustrating these people, but somehow they keep showing up, which is crazy to me, but hey, they do. Um, better prep uh, to track the results. Again, if we're, if we're doing anything that's gonna have metrics to it, we weren't fully prepared to track some of the metrics and then have some specific areas to plug them into. Those are some of the things that I feel like we, we swing and miss. And I, I mentioned this and it, you know, I do some of this with churches. This is almost the exact play I run every time. And I'll tell you this, so as a pastor, if I, and I'm not pitching any of you, but if I was, I'd say, listen, let me just come in. Let me get, you get all of your influencers together, and here's what I want to do. I want to give every person something. I want to give them something for themselves, and that's the shapes. You will learn about yourself. I want to give the team something, which is kind of, it's, it's this whole thing. This is how we can work better as a team. And then I want to give the church something which is the four helpful lists, right, wrong, missing, confusing. So I wanna do something for you, I wanna do something for your team, and then I wanna do something for the church. And this is the play that I run just about every time. So if I don't ever come back, you have everything you need to make some positive improvements. You can identify these people and get them plugged into the areas that, that you feel like need the most work. If I do come back, we put together a plan and then we set some, some timelines to that. Who's doing what by when? Maybe it's just that the staff is frustrated because they don't know job descriptions. Maybe they don't know the authority. Maybe it's, that's when we'll do a deeper dive based on the, the, the right, wrong, missing, confusing. I brought uh, Zach here today, and Dustin is uh, our campus pastor, and he's one of the best at doing this. So, Zach, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here, maybe just in about a minute and a half if you can. We did not, he's not a product of Leader Lab, but he's a product of leadership development. And so, Zach, can you just kind of share a little bit about how Dustin took you? You came into one church, you got saved, you got baptized, and then can you just tell us what happened? And, again, interviewing for a position right now. Can you stand up so they can see your pretty face? Yep. This is part of the interview. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that that's super mm. important. We want to be thinking through the, the leaders or the, the high potential leaders in coming so we can speak life into them and empower them. And he always uh, saw like why I was could be valuable, right? But but he didn't he didn't make the ask yeah. until he made the relationship. And I think that's really that's really how I developed into the majority of the men uh, being baptized and getting into a group and. Yeah. on what they can offer to a group. 
right? So the league coming into a leadership group, I was operating a different perspective, yep. but coming through as a volunteer, coming through as someone that was just saved four years ago or three years ago. Um, so I would say he led with who, who I was becoming, and then he led with the vision of like why. Yeah. Why do you want to do what you're doing? Um, so that's yeah. really what he did well. Yeah, thanks, man. And again, putting you on the spot, I think that's a great answer because you don't have to manufacture it because you lived it. And again, that's that's Dustin, campus pastor, and, and he's able to. That's how you're going to grow as a campus is by the relationships, and then helping him see who he is, helping them now understand. Just through the interview process, we we did this. I've got your disc assessment. I mean, we didn't do the shapes yet, but I'm pretty sure that that's something that we're going to sit down probably even uh, Monday and do. So, again, the four helpful lists, and and I love this statement. Somebody told me this. It's not a list of problems. It's a conversations about possible solutions. That's the four helpful list. And you may have, SWAT is about the same thing. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. I mean, there's other ways to do it. This is just some of the language that, that we've adopted that's, that's a little bit easier for us to use. So here's the takeaways that I hope you walk away with. You are fully equipped, just based on that sticky alone, to go and download all these resources. You got the agenda. You absolutely have the, the why, the how, and you have the resources. So if there's anything that, that I can do, to serve you, the local church, I'm, I'm happy to do this. One of my greatest joys is to get to come alongside of pastors and help them go to a place that they don't feel like they're able to get to on their own. Because here's the thing, you can all download those resources. They're available to you. But you're going to get back to your job, and you're probably not going to do it. But if you want to develop leaders, then somebody has got to take the reins, and somebody's got to be very intentional about doing this. If you need help kickstarting that, that's where something that that's where I would be happy to have that conversation. So... If there's anything I can do, and, and I, I picked up this statement at a, one of the conferences I went to, and it said, we aren't just called to manage ministries. We're called to lead his church. Don't just manage a ministry. Lead his church. And as leaders, that's what we're called to do. So there might not be a whole lot of biblical foundation for what I presented, but the whole reason that we're doing this, it's either all about Jesus or it's not. So I'm going to, it's uh, 3.03, I think we're supposed, we're scheduled to go to 3.15, I certainly don't want to do that if it's not necessary, but if you have any questions, I will entertain them, and if I don't know them, then I will write them down and I will definitely follow up with you. So, and again, anybody that's been through this, if you want to speak into something that maybe how it's impacted your church, or if something, an aha moment, or moment of clarity or takeaway that you have, feel free to do that as well. Yes, sir, Travis. I just thought about you coming in for this time, what does that look like? Yeah, you know... I just say, let me just come in, and you get people that you care about their opinions. Get them in the room. That might be your board. That might be all your ministry leaders. Whatever your language is for people, I don't care if you just want their opinion. Zach is a guy that got into the room just because he was a sharp leader. Zach is a guy that got an interview just because he's a sharp guy. It's that good to great concept of, I don't even know what role we have. We just want this guy. We want him around. So let's get the best people on the bus. So if I were you, I would just say, Travis, you get the people in the room that you want their opinions. I come in, and that's it. I, and I'll probably bring some of these guys with me, to be honest with you. I'm going to put some white sticky notes on the board. I'm going to say, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What's missing? What's confusing? We're going to have some fun. Then I'm going to take that information, and I'm going to sit down with you and say, what do you see? What do you care most about? And what do you want to do about it? I'm gone. Now, if you want to continue the relationship, I'm happy to do that. But at that point, you now have more than I can. So I really feel like that's just that value add. And if you want to reimburse my expenses to get there, that's great. If not, I mean, I, I love doing this kind of stuff with the churches. So it's whatever works for our schedules. Yeah. And again, my name and my email address, my phone number is up there. So if that's something, it, it's really going to be based on how the most people you can get in the room, whatever day, I try to work around that. Okay. Yes, sir. Oh, this will be fun. So I'm newly on staff at the church. So I'm sorry, say that again? I'm newly on staff at a church. I've been working for you for about six months. Okay. Um, I saw about a quarter of people who are pastors okay. are doing two courses at the time. Mm-hmm. So where would you go with these ideas? Mm-hmm. And so it did not, it did not, it does not seem like it's a part of the pie. It seems like Zach, you knew the guy that had been there. Mm-hmm. How do you get that integral with something so young? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Where are you at on here? Seven. 
Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna kind of see some ideas and you're gonna take it. You're a guy that would go back with this idea and you want to implement this. Yeah, well, but now you won't because you know who you need, right? Okay, so your question was, how do you do this? This is something. Seriously, Zach and I were out in the out in the lobby just talking about this. You know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna do it, and then we are going to let the other ministries of the church see it, and then they're gonna. What are you What are you guys doing? Uh, we are helping people identify who they are and helping them identify what their strengths are, and then we're plugging them into that. You want to You want to join that team? Yeah. So I, I would definitely say run everything by your pastor. Pastor went to this thing, got this idea, and if he's an idea guy, he's just gonna say go. What is your pastor on here probably? Um, he would say, oh, go with it. Okay. Which, that's, which, is, which is good. But yeah. It's being dismissive, not necessarily investing. And that's my concern. Okay. Well, and I'm happy to have a conversation offline, but in my head, if he trusts you to go in and do it and you start doing this with your team. And the, the other thing is, too, is I'd love to plug you into our worship leader, Christy Poole. How are you doing this, Christy? Because she's doing it. She's got an onboarding process. She's got an offboarding process. She's got an audition process. But again, this is her. All we did was painted this big org chart. She pulled people in and said, where do you see yourselves? Now they're going to self-identify. Oh, I think I could take that role. Great. Here's what that role is. She's killing it. She's got backups to her backups now. But she had to have somebody draw the org chart for her. You can probably draw that org chart. You can probably say, here's where we are going to be six months from now. Somebody else is probably going to have to write the job description, and somebody else is going to have to create the onboarding process. But you can do this because you know who you are. Your pastor trusts you, dude. That's a huge blessing. Mm -hmm. Six months and your pastor trusts you? There's a lot of lead pastors in this room would say, heck no, you ain't doing anything without me in that room. But you go into that space, man, and you start doing this stuff, and you let the pastor start seeing what you're doing. He's going to say, hey, can you do that over here too? And you just say, yeah, here's the play I ran. Go do that. Did that help at all? I would say just leverage that trust and just communicate, 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 communicate along the way. And I think every pastor in here would say, amen. Because you don't want his job. You just want a healthy ministry. So start. Start where you're at. Don't try to make it a church-wide thing. Make it a you thing right now. So you develop as a leader. Develop other people as leaders. And let other people see what you're doing. That momentum will carry. And it will be contagious. Anybody else? I got time to pray. <laughs> How about that? Who saw that coming? All right, go on once. Seriously, no more questions. I'm going to end it. Go on twice. Your heads are fried. Now we get to go here, Pastor John. Lord, thank you again. Gosh, what a great opportunity and just what a great illustration of just how you have created the body that no one member is more important than the other. Nobody is lesser than or greater than. That Father, we are all created with this unique skill set and unique ability that when it comes together, it is truly the most beautiful thing. But Lord, when it's out of alignment, it can be one of the craziest, most unattractive things. That Lord, I just pray today that my heart coming in here was just to offer a resource and a playbook for every person in this room to just go out and whatever ministries they're in to just start where they're at. And help that create something that's going to be momentum building and contagious. That other people are going to see it and not say, hey, you, good job. But, hey, what are you doing to help build up the body of Christ? Because that's what this whole thing is about, Lord. I want to end this thing the way it started. It's either all about Jesus or it's not. So, Lord, everything that we do, may we make this about you and give you all the glory. That your word says if we lift up your name, you will draw all men unto you, Lord. May we do that in a way that people are saying, what is going on there? And we would say we're just simply discipling people to be their greatest self. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here, guys. Anything on that resource list that you need help with, I'm happy to help.